Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond. I know the intro you just heard doesn't match the words I just said. I, I threw you a curveball tonight with this Cavs Corner conversation. Uh, Dave and Ferber are taking the week off. I, I think there's some vacation and some moving or some nonsense. I don't know. Um, I don't get to do that, um, but instead I get to chop it up with one of my best buds uh, on the beat. One of the one of the guys that I have the most respect for, uh, and not just because he will he will fight you on my message board if uh, if <laughs> if you don't come correct. Uh, he is Tony Covington, the uh, color analyst for Virginia Football Radio Network. Tone, how are you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good, man. Every, every day is a holiday. <laughs> I wish I felt like that. I mean, that's one of those things that I would like to aspire to in life. Um, that's just not the journey I'm on. That's just not, you know, it's just not who I am. Um, so, so you got to see a little bit uh, of spring ball. You, you, you were my resource. Uh, I told you after a spring, uh, the spring game, you were my resource. I was struggle. I was, uh, I was the mayor of the struggle city, uh, trying to figure out who was doing what. And I was getting your, uh, your thoughts relayed to me via text from people who are watching on the stream, which is a really interesting way to do things in the year 2019. Um, I guess I want to start here, man. When you looked at what you saw on the field, given the injuries, given you know everything kind of surrounding the program coming off last year and everything, when you left Charlottesville after the spring game, how did you feel? I tell you, I felt that our defense is going to be absolutely dominant um i think they were a little bit ahead of the offense there but i also feel like the offense wanted to just really keep things vanilla because the game well you know was televised right um but i i like the the downfield throws uh i like the the young uh, running back wayne tala is it talapapa yeah talapapa that's right uh and um you know i mean p i would love to have seen pk but he wasn't there i saw a couple of nice little quick things to Tavares Kelly, you know, so I think it, between he and Billy Kemp in the slot, they're going to give some people some problems. I think Hasis is going to have a huge season. And I think Terrell Jana is going to sneak up on a lot of people, man. So uh, the offensive line, I think they'll probably have more depth than they've ever had. I like how they're building this team. Uh, they truly are building it from the interior. Like they said, they were going to do, at the very beginning, and we were all very frustrated. We know we knew that that's where they needed to go, but they're building uh, mightily on the interior, and I think that's going to bode well because of the skill position. Uh, I think they're 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 really going to be outstanding. Yeah, I kind of I, I have to echo a lot of that on the defense. I, I kind of felt like throughout the you know we got to see three practices. It was not as much eleven on as you would hope. I mean, but that's just the, you know, your greedy side talking, right? You you would love to see nothing more, right, than just 11 on 11. You don't want to see no special team stuff, no disrespect, uh, Coach Brumfield. And you you really don't care about seeing a whole lot of, um, you know, like like threes on ones or ones versus, you know, certain certain ones on uh, against certain twos, you know, that kind of thing. You want to see good on good. But I really thought defensively, Considering that you didn't have Joey Blunt, considering that you didn't have Brent Nelson, considering that you lost Juan Thornhill, considering that you lost Tim Harris, for the defensive backfield to still have that much talent, I think really bodes well for them going into next season, especially because I feel like what's in front of that group 
is going to be especially good. You think about the depth that they're going to have at linebacker. You think about the depth that they're going to have on the defensive front. Um, you know, they went, they went, la- they won eight games last year and had like, like two dudes and, and a stick of bubble gum on that front line at times. You know, and still <laughs> managed to make it Max. work. And now you're going to have, a, you know, a talented group up front. And and look, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who overreacts. Um, I, I am, I'm. <laughs> I'm an intense dude, but I, I typically, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I watch spring ball and I kind of come away a lot of times with thinking like, all right, there's some positives here, but also some, some negatives. I think about that defense, man. And, and it reminds me of what I thought last year, watching Bryce Perkins for the first time. Like, yeah, that dude was going to be good. And, and I, I remember telling people that in spring and, and people being like, man, you, you know, what are you, this is, this is just what you, you know, you do. You just want to get people hyped up. I thought the defense, um, considering, sort of what we knew Bryce to be, uh, considering even with some of the injuries and stuff, uh, I just thought that the defense looked uh, like it had a lot of potential. Now, that being said, turning that potential into, you know, taking another step forward after you went from two to to six to eight, um, you know, can they win 10 games? Maybe, but it's going to it's going to be, you know, it's going to have to be, I think, because that defensive backfield really can flex the muscle. You were you've you have obviously an intimate knowledge of of those spots i don't want to say um beyond any others but because i don't i don't mean to you know impugn your ability to know the other spots but that's where you were you know that's 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 your bread and butter what you saw specifically from the dbs what stood out to you and what do you think still needs work obviously knowing that you know they're going to get some some important pieces back but of the guys you saw what really stood out to you in the defensive backfield uh, I love the physicality that I saw. And, uh, you know, I was always, you know, I'm always big and talking to Tim and Bryce about being physical, choking guys out at the line of scrimmage. That's, that's, that's what we call it, the great American chokeout. And I think that what I saw from Bryce, you know, he's back to his, to his old methods of doing what he needs to do, being in position, technique, sound. Uh, but I really like what I saw from Darius Bratton. He was very physical. Uh, and, and and when when you're physical as a, as a physical corner, that's going to bode well for you because you can control a, things, a lot of things at the line of scrimmage. I saw some good breaks, uh, you know, out of him coming out of his break, him just really in being in great position. Uh, and then I saw Devontae Cross. I mean, I, from what everything that I've heard, I just hear it's just going to be tough to keep him off the field. So it's just like, they have a, a a bevy of riches back there in that secondary, considering, you know, to your point, they didn't have Brenton Nelson. They didn't have Joey Blunt, and they still look strong. Nick Grant looked very, very good, both at safety and playing a little bit of nickel corner. Uh, Chris Moore is chomping at the bit. He was out there making plays, so it's great to have his versatility back. Uh, and just, man, I, I just see a lot of great things. But, you know, as we always say, Brad, that secondary is only as good as that front seven. Uh, and to, to be able to get some of those guys back healthy, I think Redmond will take the next step. Mandy is very you know, pumped to get back on the field because he was doing some really good things. I think Famui will take the next step. And then, you know, you you have Richard Bernie coming back. I mean, just it, it, not to mention the, the, the incoming 2019 class uh, and what they bring in Ben Smiley and Jawan Briggs. Man, I, that, that, you're talking about potential at, a, at a, high, a high level of potential. Man, they got it in spades. We're talking about the defense here, and we're talking about DBs and talking about, you know, you, you, you to your point, you're only as good as the front seven. The guy we haven't talked about yet, um, 
who is is I think going to be this is I mean I don't want to say that that Charles Snowden's about to have a breakout year, but Charles Snowden's about to have a breakout year, and that's crazy considering that like people at this point know who he is. Like you can't miss the six foot seven dude at linebacker, right? Like right. he is legitimately one of the free, most freakish athletes I've seen on a football field, and that's mm-hmm. not to say that. Um, there haven't been others because I mean certainly I've covered, but not a whole lot of them played for UVA. Uh, Snowden is a beast, and and the fact that you know he he didn't get to go full on, you know maybe this spring. I think you think he had a concussion at one point and, and missed at least one practice. I know that we got to see. Um, that is a dude whose versatility gives you so many weapons, and you just listed off um, a whole bunch of DBs that Virginia could do a lot of things with, which. I, Side note, completely unrelated, made me laugh internally because I was like, man, this is like the Mike London dream come true. Like, I, I love Mike and I'm not bagging on it, but it just makes me laugh because when Mike was, was at UVA, they just would they'd be like, everything was wide receivers and DBs and, when they recruited, right? And so now here they right. are with all these, all these dudes in the secondary. Um, and there's like, you know, not that many spots. I mean, you can't have like half your, you know, your defense be DBs. Um, but no, specifically on Snowden. What is it that you have seen from him in terms of his growth? Is it just the physical? He's been able to put the strength with it. Has he, you know, has he gotten better at the little things that you can see, you know, pre-snap, uh, post-snap? What, what are you seeing from Charles? And then, you know, what's his? What do you think his ceiling is before a dude that's, you know, what six seven? You know, they list him now at uh, at six foot seven and two hundred twenty five pounds. My guess is by, you know, by come fall, he's, you know that Grizz is going to have him a little bit higher than that. Where, where do you see the ceiling for that kid? I mean, uh, the, I, I think the he's got that he doesn't have a ceiling, quite honestly, because of his versatility. I think a combination of a lot of the things that you mentioned, uh, increased strength, increased understanding of, you know, being where you're supposed to be and reading, reading an offense and, you know, being able to do the subtle things, having moxie, being able to disguise things, working techniques uh, that, you know, you don't have to think about where you're going. You can play free. And, he, and he's, he's so long that he, he's just he's a matchup nightmare. And then the fact that, you know, he has speed to rush the passer. But he also has the athleticism to be able to drop in coverage. I mean, he he is just a tough matchup, and and I I firmly believe that they're going to be able to position him in places where teams are going to have to account for him. Uh, because I mean, think about it, Brad. He can rush the passer, but it's so hard that if he doesn't get there, he understands, hey, you know what, I'm going to back up yeah. and use all of this 6-7 to jump, and it's going to be difficult for quarterbacks to throw over him, as we've seen with all the chip passes that he has. So, uh, I mean, I think the – and it's just he, – he has no ceiling. I got one more defensive question before I do that, and let me let me get to our first ad break of the night. Uh, Caps Corner Podcast and this Caps Corner Conversation brought to you tonight by Thorium Wealth. Do you own a small business? Do you have a hard time finding partners to help with those kinds of problems that you face every day? Thorium Wealth is the business owner's financial partner. Data-driven personal service focused solely on the needs of a small business owner. It's what makes Thorium Wealth different. The advisors at Thorium Wealth have spent more than 35 years working with the unique financial challenges that business owners face every single day. Unleash the power of Thorium Wealth today to help you and your business grow and prosper. You can visit thoriumwealth.com for more information and full disclosures. Again, that's thoriumwealth.com, T-H-O-R-I-U-M, wealth.com. Our thanks to them for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. My other defensive question is a little bit more all-encompassing. You have played 
for some great coaches in your day. And what Bronco is doing with his staff right now defensively, it's a little different, right, in the spring because he's he's much more at the at the controls, right? He's he's kind of you know in the cockpit, so to speak. But come season, he's going to hand a lot of that stuff back off to Nick Howell and 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 Papinga and Vic Soto uh, and Hunter and that group. Is that have you ever seen a coach who is as how can I say this diplomatically? Um, who is as focused? Let's call, just say it focused. I, I don't want to say intense. Uh, focus as focused as Bronco is. That also wants to hand things away because it 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 seems almost like uh, counterintuitive to me that 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 a guy like him could hand that kind of control over and not dabble in it. But it seems to have freed him up, and that means shoot, it worked last year. Is that is that something in your experience that's common, or is that? That, is there a uniqueness to that 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 you see sort of playing out in Charlottesville right now? It, it is unique, and it, <laughs> most guys want to have the control, so so they're like, "Hey, it's on my watch. I want right. to be in control of it." Right, exactly. But but I like you know. But there's also the theory that sometimes you get down in the weeds, okay, and then right. you can't be the ultimate chess master moving the pieces around on the board. I think. With Nick Howell, Papinga, Soto, they give they give Bronco the ability to be the chess master and move key pieces around the board to create the strategy to get the win. And that is a tremendous luxury to have. And, you know, but you don't just you don't just get that overnight. That's just built uh, over a time. And these guys have had a relationship for so long and they've proven that they can do it. So, man, they, they provide a tremendous luxury for him. Yeah, they really do. I, and the reason I ask that question is because a guy like you who has been, you know, who has <laughs> has played the game, who has been around the game to see it from the various angles that you've seen. I, I, I personally have not seen uh, a guy who is as in, intense as Bronco is to also then hand the thing off and and never really get the sense that like he's even you know even if you know they're in a game and the defense isn't playing well, I just don't see him walking over and taking the thing back. Like he really has a belief in his guys. And to your point, like I think it comes from just that you know their experience level and and what they've done with it so far. Um, I'm I'm not entirely sure to be quite honest with you that a lot of what we're seeing on the recruiting trail is not a a byproduct of those young guys who have who have gotten a lot of seat time you know, on the coaching side of things, being able to really, you know, communicate that. And you're like, I know that players who come to UVA, you're like you're coming to play for Bronco. There's no doubt about that, but you're also coming for that culture. And I think that culture is, you know, people, I still remember when they went to the first, you know, uh, numbers, you know, thing and, and, and the draft and everything. And after, you know, getting all the, the V sabers and stuff stripped off their, their stuff and, you know, just practicing in like plain old stuff. I mean, at the time, people were like, what is this? But, I mean, whatever is happening is working, and it's especially true on the defensive side. On the offensive side, of course, you return Bryce Perkins, who is easily, in my opinion, the the Coastal Division's best quarterback. A a Bryce Perkins who can throw the ball downfield. How scary is that for a DB? It's extremely scary. Uh, (laughs) It's extremely scary for a defense, period. Because as as a defensive back, you know, you're – hey. I, I need that pressure to get there. I'm I, I'm covering my guy. All of a sudden, you're covering your guy, and you got to adjust because the receiver now sees that his quarterback has escaped the pocket, and now you take a peek back. That receiver does something else, and man, you, the scoreboard will be lighting up, and that is just the uh, DB's worst nightmare. 
considering what he's got at, at, at wide receiver, or let, let me rephrase, considering what he's going to have at wide receiver, right? Because you think about Joe Reed coming back, Ugo Abasi coming back. They got two grad transfer, big body dudes at wide receiver. They're going to look dramatically different with those four pieces I just mentioned, back healthy in the fall than they did when we saw him in spring. That being said, uh, until Billy Kemp got hurt, I was really curious to watch the way that they were meshing he and Tavares Kelly. From from an X's and O's standpoint, what's the best way, in your opinion, for them to really fit those two pieces into the puzzle? And and what do you think of like the wide receiving core as a whole? Well, I tell you, I uh, with Hasis and, and and Joe Reed to to have those two as kind of your staples. Then you mix in versatile guys like Tavares, Billy Kemp. They have you know those little guys. They have that dog in them. Hasis, he's got that dog in them. And, you know, it's as a receiver, uh, as a DB, you know when a guy has that in him. So you got to be on your game. Um, when I think about the grad transfers, you know, the size that they have, Goddard, the size, Nathaniel Beal, the size, man, they are they are going all in on the big guys uh, <laughs> being a factor. And, and I think, you know, that their ability to block, but their ability to also go up and get the rock and be physical. Uh, and then you mix in those two, those two, <laughs> those two dogs with, with <laughs> Kim and Kelly, man, you know, them in motion, them on jet sweeps, them on quick screens, them on tunnel screens. It, it, it as a defense, you've got to think about so much. Oh yeah, and by the quarter, and by the way, your yeah, quarterback right. talent that we're running the rock too, man. They, they they are going to be a problem. Yeah, I think the thing about it is, is that I think a lot of us understood last year that Bryce's legs were were the game changer, and what he was able to do through the air was at times uh, a byproduct of 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 his of his versatility and, and the the fact that he could run but also too he was really just kind of getting comfortable with that aspect of things right like i think a lot of what you saw from him last year was maybe one two quick reads and then go what what does that look like you know i keep thinking that's the, that's the thing i keep tripping up on all spring uh, and it's what i'll be looking for come fall what does it look like when he can go one progression two progression three progression you know what I mean? Like, cause he's, he's already got this really nice, he's got a really good, um, I don't want to say just feel, cause I don't think that encompasses there, but there's a, there's both this like clock that goes off in your head as well as like the way you move when you're trying to just get yourself into some more space. Now that to be, to be fair, he didn't do it all the time, right? There were definitely times where, you know, he would sort of look to his periphery and you could see him almost like figuring out where the space was going to be and it would basically swallow him. Um, so that's a feel thing too, but you know, that's an experience thing that'll come with time. But in terms of, you know, his, his progressions and going through, you know, going through the routes, I, I think the experience that he gets from last year to carry it over and the fact that the finger is better. I mean, he looked as good on deep balls as I think I've ever seen him. Um, I, I just, I think for him to take the next step and I, I kind of want to frame it that as a question, but for me, I think for him to take the next step is when he's really challenging the defense over the middle. Um, that's not a thing we saw him do a lot of last year. He didn't look as comfortable uh, with tight ends last year as maybe a lot of us, myself included, assumed. For you, what's the what's he got to do to take that next step, uh, especially with you know the variety of pieces he's got at wide receiver? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head in regards to the progressions. But you know when we talk about 
not as effective across the middle. I think they could really help Bryce out by having routes that are across his face. Right. Uh, and because, you know, you know, you and me, we talk about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I think that helps him out tremendously, especially when you, with those, yeah, with, with the variations, with the little receivers crossing his face, getting the ball to him, checking down with receivers, not just running backs. Uh, even the big receivers, if you're going to have those big 6-3 receivers, hey, sometime put them in a the slot. Have them going across the middle. Have them posting up right in front of them. So w- when those passing lanes go up, when those defensive ends come up the field, but there's a guy right there pressing his face, hey, hit him right behind the linebackers. Man, with an ability to be able to do that with plays that are called across his face, it opens up the entire field. Because you can't spy on him. Because if you spy on him, if he if he fakes like he's going to run, that linebacker comes running straight up. Then you've got to, with an ability to be able to dump the ball and get it to the receiver, so they can get yards after the catch. You know that's that's just another aspect of moving the chains. That that just man, it, it just opens up everything. Before we get to running back, I want to ask about, talk a little bit about the offensive line. So. They're without Dylan Rankinsmeyer this this spring, and that in and of itself, I think, may have been a gift for them in the sense that he's a guy who who knows the various positions, and probably even if he's going to move somewhere, he doesn't necessarily need to get but so many reps there. Um, that really allowed them to have uh, Victor Olowatimi and Tyler Fanning really go at each other at center, and and coming out of it, Garrett Tuje sounded not just encouraged. I mean, he sounded downright giddy at the possibility of what that could mean. He said that they had basically, you know, one bad snap all spring as opposed to maybe one bad snap every segment, um, which has kind of just been the norm, you know, for them and which is kind of, you know, typical. I mean, I think that's kind of common with as many reps as they're getting, but for, for them to come out of spring ball with so much to evaluate those two guys off of in the middle and knowing what they could do with Rankins Meyer, as you look at the offensive line, what are some of your questions going into it? Is it just how the pieces all fit together? Is it specifically, you know, who's going to be, you know, because for a lot of folks, it's, you know, it's who's going to be the left tackle, and that's always the the premier position. What are some of your question marks for the offensive line going into the uh, the rest of the summer? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that what Dylan is able to, I think, to me, I think he's a better guard because of his, he's, he's got great feet. Yep. You know, and so, you know, I'm a huge believer in, sure enough that guard center guard piece and then having your tackles on the outside be able to hold it down because when you're when you're strong in that in the middle three that that opens a lot of your running lanes that those those quick passes uh, across the middle that we were talking about uh even the, your deeper passes uh, across the middle knowing that Bryce can now step up in the pocket uh because those guys are solid on the end you know you know what will Nelson be um, God, what's the other tall task? Uh, you know, will he take the next step? Uh, I mean, so they've got some really interesting pieces, and and I really want to see how Coach Two J is going to to have that 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 first five and how that first five are going to play, and then being able to rotate those guys. I mean, I know you know they they flip and flop a lot. Guys go from guard to tackle to center. It'd be nice to be able to have a couple of units where guys can get used to playing the same position so that they can build a little bit more cohesion. Uh, to, you know, it, it'd just be nice to, to have to be able to platoon an entire line to do that. And I think that that's what they're building towards, Brad. 
Uh, and and, I, and I, the possibilities of that could be great. Yeah. I mean, the 17, just having 17 dudes in and of itself is going to be like I told TJ, <laughs> it's going to sound like it's going to feel like Christmas. Um, I've got two more offensive questions. Uh, well, one is kind of a all encompassing question. Before I do that, let me get to my, my second ad break uh, of the night. Uh, the Caps Corner podcast and this Caps Corner conversation also, also brought to you by Ask Landis, a company based in Charlottesville that specializes in helping you downsize and declutter. Serving Central Virginia for the past 10 years, owners Steve Atlantis and Brandon Lloyd have been helping folks all over the region clear things out from their homes and businesses, as well as providing a turnkey solution for those who just need a little help to get from point A to point B. Not only will Ask Landis work with anything that you need them to work with, but they'll also make sure to recycle whenever possible. So maybe, you know, you're getting ready to put your house on the market, you got a basement you need to clean out, you got a business, maybe you're moving. Whatever the case may be, you can let Steven and Brandon do the work for you and help to declutter your life. You can give the folks at Ask Landis a call today for a free consultation. It's 434-249-8383, or you can visit asklandis.com for more. Our thanks to Ask Landis for their support of the show and all of CavsCorner.com. At running back, you mentioned Wayne Talapapa. So PK was not uh, was not available for most of the spring because he, he he suffered a concussion, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, you, you know, hey, it's you know, show has to go on, and it looks like Talapapa made a really uh, you know made the most right. I mean, look, you've got an incredibly special player at quarterback. You've got a, a bevy of a big body wide receivers, some smaller pieces, some things that fit together. You have some some nice guys on the offensive line. You're just waiting to see how they gel. Running back seems to be the one spot maybe where there is some question. And so for Tyler Papa to come out of spring and 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 leave his coaches as encouraged as he did, I thought was a really interesting sort of development. I really liked watching him in the spring game as well as, you know, when we saw him in practice because that kid, man, he puts his foot in the ground and he goes. And that is a I don't want to say it's a it's a hard skill to teach, but it's not necessarily an instinct that a lot, a lot of guys want to want to shake. He didn't want to shake. He wants to go. And that's something that Virginia hasn't always had, you know, in recent years. And I think is going to be an interesting sort of change up, not necessarily because, you know, J.E. wasn't that way. He was a different type of back. He wanted to bowl you over this kid. He sees the hole really well and he hits it. What were some of your thoughts on, on Talia Papa coming out of spring? Yeah, I mean, then you, you get the nail on the head with he put his foot in the ground. He was decisive and he was all about north, that north and south, south light. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. If you got in his way, he didn't mind putting his head in your chest. Um, but he's, yeah, so I, I, I really liked what I saw. He made really good cuts. Um, I remember a couple of times uh, a run to the left, he put his foot in the ground because he saw a cut upright and it was boom, it, it was five yards quickly, you know, and I, I, I was, I was really, really impressed with him down around the goal line. I mean, he was, he wanted to get in that end zone and was not going to be denied. And I, I just, I really liked what I saw. He was jumping over linemen, doing whatever was necessary. And, and I just, I saw a hunger in him, you know, and I think, Hey, he went on his mission. He came back just special teams last year, but I think he put in the work this off season and uh, is ready to, to take take it to the next level. Yeah, I I, re- I really like his humility and understanding that hey, you know, I still got a lot of work to do, uh, but I, I'm down for the work, and right. that that impresses me and tells me a lot about him. Last on the offensive side, we can't talk offense without talking about Doctor Bob, right? Like we those folks on the board, the, you know, the, Coach and I has been the subject of many of an opinion, right? <laughs> much more so than than his counterparts on the defensive side of the ball. 
tempo has been a conversation that you know we've talked about on the podcast. We've talked about some on the board. Um, do you think that one of the things that is that has UVA maybe has struggled with is that they haven't gone tempo? Do you think that that's a thing, or 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 maybe even more specifically going into the season, what are sort of your expectations for what Coach and I wants to see from his guys and how best, you know, w- from a scheme standpoint, what do they need to do to replace Alameda Zacchaeus? I think that the tempo they've been waiting to be able to do that tempo, and they're going to be able to spring that on. They didn't have to play it with depth to be able to do it, you know, on, on either side of the rock. Right. So what you have now potentially having, you know, depth at the front, on the front, depth at the second level, depth at the third level, depth on the offensive line, <laughs> depth at the receiver, you know, depth at quarterback. When's the last time we said that? <laughs> you know, and so w- when when you're able to, to now have the playable depth that, if we do decide to go tempo and we don't get a couple of first downs, it doesn't kill my defense. I think that that will be the next phase and the, the next evolution of what they want to do to truly get back to what, what they were successful uh, at, at BYU with Taysom Hill. And if they can do that, man, <laughs> problems. <laughs> problems. <laughs> um, last question before we wrap up. Uh, for tonight, um, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about Coach Welsh. Obviously, before the spring game a couple weeks ago, everyone got a chance to to uh, celebrate his life uh, and to talk about you know his impact on them and 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 obviously the program and so so much else. As someone who has the experiences that you had at Virginia, uh, as somebody who who played for him, who you knew him well. Um, when you think of Coach Welsh, what 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 comes to mind, and and sort of um, what did that you know that day that that opportunity what did what did that mean to you and, and a lot of your former teammates? Uh, I mean, it was tremendous, man. You know, when it, when I think of him, I think of stern, steady leadership, uh, a vision of what he wanted, and he brought guys. His assistants were on the same page with him. They understood what. He wanted to do. They understood his methods uh, and they they executed the plan. And so, you know, when I think back to, you know, Coach Welsh and when, when we first got there, our class, you know, that class of 86 came in there. You know, we were we were kind of a different breed and we saw what he was like. He, uh, he'd look at us like we were crazy sometimes. <laughs> but but, you know, he he adapted some to us and he, he understood that we were different. And we, you know, we we followed his leadership. I mean, we would run through an absolute wall for him because we believed in him. He coached us up. He cared for us. His his assistant coaches cared for us. And I mean, he was just he was he was just a leader. He was a stern leader. He was no nonsense. Uh, And and we we were receptive to it. man. and, you know, it, it had a the way his teachings, man, added a lot to, to a lot of our lives. And I think, you know, some of those lessons, man, have carried us on as as men, as fathers and husbands. Good stuff. Uh, if you are someone who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, give us a look. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your shows. 
Uh, give us a rating review. Always helps to get us out in front of more people. If you are someone who found the pod but hasn't given us a look yet, check us out at the site, CavsCorner.com. Lots going on there. We're, we're obviously sort of putting a bow on spring football, but you know, spring basketball, lots of recruiting stuff happening, so definitely give us a look. Um, you can follow Tony on, on Twitter at T-Cub is underdog. You can also follow Cavs Corner on Twitter at Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the game, in-game updates when we have them uh, in the offseason. There's just content items and, and the occasional witty banter. Um, you also, if you are if you already follow the, the Cavs Corner Twitter, you probably may have even noticed today that um, we're now part of the uh, Fanatics affiliate program, which means if you hit the link that's actually in the podcast app that you're listening to right now, that's in the show notes for this episode, or if you use the link that's inside the content item for the show, uh, you can not only hook yourself up with uh, plenty of gear from Fanatics, but you can also help support Cavs Corner in the process. Um, so let's say that you uh, you haven't had your fill yet a championship gear from the UVA's national title run. Hit one of those links. That helps us out, and you can also obviously um, get stuff that's not just UVA stuff. Pretty much anything you find on Fanatics.com, long as you hit that link, it counts for us. So have at it, folks, and as always, we very much appreciate your support. And, Tone, I appreciate you coming on the show, man, taking some time out, giving me a few. Always good to talk to you. Um, looking forward to, to getting down there um, in the fall and, and seeing what this team can do. Um, but for Tony Covington, I'm Brad Franklin, CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.